There's been an overwhelming response to the summer worker hiring campaign, which we spoke about on the farming programme a few weeks ago. But although things have improved, we're not out of the woods yet. Most growers seem to have got about enough pickers to see them through. But I think there's, there's still a good deal of uncertainty. We'll hear more from Jack Ward, Chief Exec at the British Growers Association, in a moment. And we'll pay tribute later to the farmers of our fair county with a poem. You are the poetry. You are the county. You are the land. We'll get the latest on the Sugar Beet campaign, timely agronomy advice and take a look at the markets. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, I'm Steve Orchard. Hope you've had a good week, despite the continuing lack of rain. This week's weather forecast is towards the end of the farming programme, but not right at the end for a change. More about that in a minute. Let's start, as usual, with the week's agricultural headlines. Sheep meat exports from the UK fell by 40% in March compared to the same period last year, yet imports rose 16%. Begs the question, if other countries are blocking imports, understandably, or transportation is understandably difficult due to coronavirus, why have our imports risen? Can anybody answer that for me? Guide contracting prices for agricultural contracting have been published by the NAAC, the National Association of Agricultural Contractors, which show a slight upward trend from last year. Details can be found on the NAAC website. That's naac.co.uk. Do you provide accommodation for your workers? If so, accountant Safari Champness are recommending that you carry out a review as to whether the provision of free accommodation for farm workers is still exempt from being a benefiting kind. Many such exemptions have been in place since 1977, but it's recommended that your situation's reviewed to make sure that circumstances haven't changed and that the exemption still applies. And two long-running agricultural courses have been postponed due to coronavirus. The advanced course in agricultural business management, due to start in November, will now be delayed until next year. And the 25th Challenge of Rural Leadership course, scheduled for January, will start in January of 2022. Both are run by the Worshipful Company of Farmers. Now, some weeks ago, we spoke about the impending crisis in summer worker recruitment. Very few migrant workers are coming to the UK due to coronavirus. Would the UK workers take up the slack? How will we pick the crops this year? Well, where are we now? The Farming Programme's Andy Marsh spoke to Jack Ward, Chief Exec of the British Growers Association, and asked him what the situation is at the moment. The situation now is is looking a lot better than it was perhaps at the start of the COVID-19 crisis. Um, I think as far as Lincolnshire is concerned, you know, the, the critical crops for us are largely the salad sector and the brassica sector. And obviously the salad sector is up and running now, but the brassica sector, you know, really hits top gear once we get into June. Um, and we've been talking to growers um, throughout the uh, past eight weeks. And I think the situation is broadly this, that, you know, most growers seem to have got about enough pickers to um, see them through. Um, but I think there's, there's still a good deal of uncertainty because I think a lot of people have been recruited from industries like construction and outdoor, um, other outdoor industries where obviously they're used to working outdoors. And at some point, as the uh, current restrictions are relaxed, these people are going to start returning to their original roles. So I think, you know, for a grower looking across the season, you know, they're probably facing the possibility that every so often they're going to have to go back into the market and re-recruit 
and then re-induct and retrain people. And obviously, you know, that's quite problematic. Well, a couple of things there. I mean, first of all, a little bit surprised about uh, Lincolnshire. You say, when obviously, there are issues, as you allude to there. But uh, I thought there was still a major shortfall. Has that been sort of um, addressed fairly recently in the last few weeks has it just come up to reasonable numbers yeah i think so i think you know people are, are very aware of the pick for britain campaign but that's just one of a number of initiatives that have been underway um there is um there are a number of agencies that specialize in providing labor into agriculture and obviously they've been um, hugely active over the past 10 weeks the other thing that's been interesting is that a lot of people have approached local farms in their area um, farmers reporting that they've had a very good response from people in the neighbourhood who are looking for work. So uh, I think, you know, the Pick for Britain is part of a, a multiple strategy. And actually, all of these various elements have been quite successful in attracting people into these jobs. Are Lincolnshire particularly successful in uh, getting people into these jobs? Are, are we perhaps standing out or, or have has similar things been felt throughout the country? I mean, obviously, being here in Lincolnshire, one would love to say that Lincolnshire leads the way. Um, but probably in fairness, actually, I think you know we're seeing a similar picture reported from um, growers up and down the country. So when George Eustace mentioned it yesterday, uh, perhaps, yeah, it's a concern, but maybe not as much as maybe it was, I don't know, six weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, that, that's that's very much true. I think in absolute numbers, um, you know, the situation is very much better than uh, we were fearing at the outset of the COVID crisis. I think where the nervousness creeps in is um, in, you know, how sustainable is this going to be across what is quite a long season, particularly in Braskers, you know, it'll run well into 2021. Um, and as the restrictions are lifted and some of the people who've um, come to work on farms return to their roles, you've got to go through this re-recruitment process. And so I think, you know, growers are kind of fearful that they won't have a settled pattern um, of workers throughout the season. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it just makes life more difficult. Jack Ward, Chief Executive of the British Growers Association, talking to Andy Marsh. Do let us know your situation. If you've got a comment as well relating to the summer workforce position, get in touch through the website or the app or tweet at Farming Show. To agronomy now, Sean Sparling has been walking the very dry fields for us. Morning, Sean. What's your take on the agriculture employment situation? Yes, good morning, Steve. Incredibly concerning for anybody who relies upon a large migrant or uh, casual workforce. And remember, this year it's down to COVID-19. Next year it's because of Brexit. This is a long-term problem that needs a long-term solution. The food we produce here in the UK is the safest, highest quality, most environmentally aware and conscious food produced anywhere in the world. And we can guarantee that it is the best you can buy. We can't guarantee that from food we import. So we need a long-term strategy in place to support farmers and make sure the food we produce here, we can keep here and we can actually eat here. We need to become more self-sufficient, not less so, as we go forward. Now, of equal concern to me as an agronomist is the weather. We've had yet another week of extreme conditions. Remember last week it was frosty. We couldn't go spraying sugar beet and peas out there because it was too frosty. This week, too hot can't go spraying in the heat this week so this week alone we've gone from monday through friday 24 degrees c 26 29 29 26 
We've had a leaf and a half emerge this week. Philocron, temperature governs leaf production. Growth stages are changing so quickly within these plants and you need to be aware of that for many, many reasons, not least herbicides and growth regulators. I've touched on this before, but things like ethophon in Cerrone and Turpal, things like Trinexapac ethyl in Modus and Freeze, they have crop growth stage cutoffs to protect the crop, to protect the developing ear. Now, something may well have been at the right growth stage at the end of last week, and you thought, oh, I'll do it at the end of this week when the wind drops. You've probably gone past the right growth stage, and it may now be unsafe for that growth regulator to go on that crop. Get the crop cut open and have a look. We always used to joke that Turpal, you had about 20 minutes on a Wednesday afternoon to put it on. This year is absolute living proof of that joke. Um, things are changing so quickly. Winter wheat, spring wheat, spring barley, they, they're moving so quickly in the growth stages within the stems. So cut them open, have a look. It has implications for herbicides as well. Metsulfuron methyl, if you're using any of the sulfonylureas for late control of late germinating poppies and mayweeds and that sort of thing you have a crop growth stage cut off of 37 that's flag leaf that's not booting and a lot of these crops have now suddenly shot into flag leaf fully emerged and starting to boot even the ones which are only halfway up to my knees um, also um, fluoroxyper a, a fairly benign uh, herbicide to control cleavers and volunteer potatoes and black bindweed growth stage 37 is your cut off so check these crops religiously very apt for a Sunday but check them religiously cut them open and make sure that you're still safe for that crop in the field because you don't want to spoil a ship for a hape of the tar just by making the assumption cut it open and never assume sugar beet very complicated week this week not least because of the frost last week and then the heat that I've just talked about this week. Also, it's the fact we've had so little rain. Since the 1st of March, I've registered, I've just blasted through 30 millimetres, 30.2 mil since the 1st of March, and it's now the 24th of May. And that period that we've just talked about, 1st of March to now, we need that rain to get these spring crops growing, to sustain the winter crops which are already in the ground, to make herbicides, residual herbicides work in crops like sugar beet and potato. And we're just not getting the rain. I know we got a point two torrential rain, uh, torrential drizzle, we should call it, going Thursday into Friday. But it won't have even registered because when it's accompanied by a high wind and soil temperatures in excess of 18, it's just evaporating before it does any good. Now, to those armchair experts out there on Twitter and social media saying, ah, but it's not a disease year, is it? It's a low disease year because it's so dry. That's absolute nonsense. You need to get out and look in your own field. Don't just assume and don't just take the word of these people because I'm walking fields on days where yes it's 29 degrees and yes it hasn't rained in in weeks but my trouser legs are absolutely soaked from the knees down up until half 11 in the morning because of the heavy dews, because of the crop's res respiration in the base of the crop there is a microclimate. That's enough because this week I've seen yellow rust in Kerin, in Graham, in Gravity, in Skyfall. I've seen it in all those varieties. The septoria is still there in the base of these crops. There is a microclimate which is very different to what's going on outside and you need to be aware of that because we will only know that it was a low disease year after the event. Last year there were those people people in a similarly dry May who cut back on their flag leaf fungicide. Then when the rain came in June, the crop simply wasn't protected and that's where we saw the most problem. So get a plan, speak to your advisor, get a plan, treat every field on its own individual merits, but be prepared to change. Similarly, spring wheat, spring barley, the growth stages are going through so quickly. Just watch those herbicides, watch those growth regulators. And, um, you know, when you've got a spring barley crop going from growth stage 32 to Orns Emerge in the space of eight days, you realise how difficult and how tricky things are in the field. 
So remember, sugar beet herbicides, they don't work in temperatures above 21 degrees. So stay out of the heat of the day. Remember also this one wingless nymph per four plants is your threshold for treatment against the viruses in sugar beet. Um, once the crop gets to 12 leaves, it becomes a different story because it's one nymph per plant and the crop has its own defences which kick in. Um, looking at the BBRO site, they said they'd trapped last week 275, again, uh, Mises persicae, and only two of those were carrying virus. So just keep your eyes open, be vigilant. There's a lot more ladybirds and hoverflies and wasps out in the field than there were a week ago. So just keep your eyes open. If you hit threshold, you need to react. And also take care in a lot of these crops when it comes to things like ethafumisate, um, caustic herbicide. A lot of these fields have got plants ranging from 10 true leaves to cotyledon just emerging. It may be this year is the right year to split fields and treat the forward bits and treat the backward bits differently within the same field. And of course, with the weather we've had this week, blight begins to rear its head quite nicely emerged potato crops the ones they get to rosette if you're in a hutton period and remember a hutton period is two consecutive 24 hours where the minimum temperature is 10 degrees and you get six hours in each 24 hour period of 90 percent humidity or greater and we've hit that all this week so potato blight is upon us oh happy days let's see what the next seven days bring steve brilliant thank you sean there's so much contained in sean's reports that it's easy to miss something and don't forget you can of course listen and again, on the app or the website, the whole programme will be there at the end of the show. In a moment, we'll see how the sugar beet crop's doing and take a look at the markets and prices and listen to a poem. That's not something we do all that often on the farming programme, but it's a poem for Lincolnshire agriculture, but it'll resonate wherever you are. And it's all in a very good cause. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Simon Leeds is here from British Sugar. Hello, Simon. Welcome again. How's things in the sugar world? Hi, Steve. Morning. Uh, hope, morning. Morning. I hope you're well in these, uh, you know, remaining peculiar times. It's uh, it's certainly something I've never seen and hopefully never will see again. Um, no. On that, though, it's, it's great to see how the whole food and farming industry is playing its key role as we continue to cope with the pandemic. In the factory, we continue to work tirelessly to all our customers and deliver required maintenance in preparation for the campaign later this year. We've taken massive steps in the factory and across the business to do this safely. Teams in the factory have been split up to support social distancing with additional mobile facility units brought in to allow staff to stay segregated and safe. We've reduced the skeleton staff wherever possible and clearly following all the government advice. So it's a way, new way of working that we've never really uh, seen before, but is is um, proving highly effective, and um, you know as we continue to supply sugar uh, into the food chain, so that's really important. Out in the field, we could do with some rain, as some seed beds did dry out, and a rain would really help these along. Control of green wingless aphids and increasing numbers of leaf miner eggs remain the priority pest issues. Aphid numbers continue to build rapidly, and many crops are now close to or at threshold. Some crops have already had their first treatment. So what do you need to do? Please, if you haven't, go out and check your crops as a matter of priority and treat if above threshold, and I'll come to the threshold in a minute. It's important to get your hands on your hands and knees and look at plants closely, really paying attention to the center of the plants, looking at the curled up leaves in the middle. And I find that a, a 10 times magnification lens really helpful for this. Additionally, aphids are not evenly distributed across fields. So when checking, checking the sheltered field margins 
uh, and the shelter belts and leeward side of any hills and hollows. This is where aphids can often be found in greater numbers. Also, if there is oilseed rape grown in proximity, check in areas of the fields nearest to this as this may be you know, a strong source of aphids. In terms of options for 2020 for control, we have Biscaya, Topeki and Insist. Uh, the advice remains to begin with Biscaya or Insist for the first spray and then switch to Topeki for the second and then back to Biscaya or Insist if a third is required. The BBRO aphid tracker tool is available to all UK growers and sugar beet agronomists on the BBRO Plus website. So if you're not registered, please do so as the information is updated daily as count information uh, becomes available. And if you need any help or advice with the crop, do please contact your local contract manager. Finally, Steve, of course, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. COVID-19 remains very challenging for many people as we do remain in very uncharted territory. Farming in particular is a very lonely occupation and far too many farmers are impacted by mental health issues with sadly some resorting to suicide. There are many organisations out there to help you, for example, Yellow Wellies, Yana or the Farm Safety Foundation. You don't need to be alone. Talking really does help. Thanks, Steve. Absolutely, Simon. Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, just to touch back on the weather situation, um, yeah. Yeah, the soil is, is like concrete in, in places. Do you, and it's been this peculiar mixture of uh, too much water back end of last year and beginning of this year. Now we've got rock-hard soil. Is that likely to impact on this year's crop, do you think? So, I mean, it's very, it, it is variable out there, and yes, it does need a rain. Um, you know, we could, you could have almost written it after the amount of rain we had over the winter and then, you know, uh, it, you know, coming it coming dry. You know, we've got some very good crops out there. We have got some that you know do need a rain, and um, hopefully that will be forthcoming in the next you know few days. Well, there is a little bit of rain on the way later in the week. More on the weather forecast in a few minutes' time. Simon, thanks so much for joining us once again. Take care and have a good week. Cheers. Bye bye. Talking about mental health and the organisations that can help generally, but particularly in the current situation, one of which is LRSN, the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. And we're going to close today with a poem for Lincolnshire and for farming, which is raising funds for LRSN. So don't disappear when I've done the weather. Now to the markets and prices. Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Well, in the markets this week, it has been quiet for much of the week, but new crop production concerns yesterday were firmly back on the radar. On paper, globally, there should be an ample supply of wheat. It just could be in the wrong place. Russia yesterday downgraded their crop estimate, not by much, but a downgrade nevertheless, and this caught out one or two traders on the hop. US markets firmed and the European markets followed suit. Currency has also played a part this week. An ongoing rebound in global equity markets has allowed the British pound to stage a recovery against the euro, US dollar and other major currencies. But analysts from investment banks such as Goldman Sachs, CBA and TD Securities are sceptical the recovery will last. The pound is catching the coattails of a rally in equity markets as investors react to a decrease in global infection and death rates due to COVID-19. News of a promising vaccine and a commitment made by the US Federal Reserve have added promise. And also, the Federal Reserve stands ready to offer more support to the economy where needed. Since the onset of the corona crisis, the pound has tended to display the attributes of a risk on currency, i.e. a currency that falls when markets fall and rise when markets recover. 
That relationship had waned somewhat as stock markets traded sideways for much of May, allowing factors such as the Bank of England and Brexit trade negotiations to play more of a role and pressure the pound lower. The wheat market going forward will be dictated largely around currency. Oilseed rate has risen steadily this week on the back of currency and the lack of rain we have seen. As I've said before, there is a reduced area of oilseed rape this season and now the variable factors will be currency and weather until harvest starts and we know what the yield and quality will be coming off the combines. Barley, there is now growing concern in the Lincolnshire area for barley. The lack of rain has slowed the crop down and yield concerns are now in the forefront of growers' minds. As every day we don't get rain, this is now losing yield and quality. There will be a limited amount of barley marketed between now and harvest but this will reduce and new crop sales will reduce on the back of it as the expected yield will decrease. And again, we won't know exactly what we're going to get now until the combines start moving. Beans, a limited amount of winter beans that have been drilled this year are starting to grow away and look good in some areas, but spring beans are sat in dry soils struggling to find moisture. The bean market will be stipulated by export demand as it is every season, with a potential lower yield and less wheat for the feed mills, this could also raise our domestic price. Moving on to prices this week then, for feed wheat, May 149 to 151, for August 160 to 162, November 166 to 168, February 169 to 171, and May 21, 172 to 174. Milling premiums are currently £25. As I said, a good rise in oilseed rape this week, with May coming up to 309 to 311, August 312 to 314, November 322 to 324, February 325 to 327, and May 21, 329 to 331. Feed barley values remain relatively the same, with May at 119 to 121, August 118 to 120, November 126 to 129, February 130 to 132, and May 21, 132 to 134. Malting premiums are currently unavailable for both old crop and new crop. An indicative value on beans for November would be 190 to 195 x the farm for feed beans. Human consumption premiums will be basis a specific sample. Many thanks as ever, Kit. That's Kit Dickinson from Open Field Back. Same time next week with a market review. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's staying warm this week and windy to start the week, but that will ease tomorrow. There is rain, but whether it'll fall where it's needed is another matter. High pressure building through the week sees very little rain for the east of England, certainly until Thursday when we could see two or three millimetres through the day. Winds will be mainly westerly until Wednesday when they'll be very variable for the day before they turn more southerly, southwesterly on Thursday and Friday. Wind speeds are quite low after today. Temperatures stay in the upper teens for most of the week with nighttime lows no lower than 8 or 9 Celsius. Now, we normally end with the weather, but not this week. Catherine Harris, partner at Solicitors Wilkins Chapman, joins us. Morning, Catherine. Tell us about this poem, then. How did it all come about? Yeah, morning, Steve. Um, Yes, so the poem was commissioned for the Lincolnshire Rural Charities Dinner in 2019. And Wilkins Chapman solicitors were one of the sponsors there. And we were asked to speak on stage and I thought, right, what we're going to do? And I thought a poem would be really good. So 
I got in touch with local poet, Grimsby poet, Caroline Doyley, um, and um, she knew very, very little about agriculture, but she really got stuck in. Um, she went on lots of field trips and um, investigated agriculture, but really inspired and I think has just beautifully captured the places and the people of, of Lincolnshire and agricultural communities. Um, so the poem went down really well um, at the dinner. And um, when we've moved to you know, coronavirus times, I've just thought Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, which was one of those main charities, they're really struggling at the moment, you know. They can't do the usual fundraising. They can't do golf days. You know, people normally run in the London Marathon or other marathons for them, and their, their fundraising opportunities have really been curtailed, but yet 10% increase in calls. So people are struggling, and um, suicide rates are a horrible statistic in the, in the rural communities. So I thought, well, the poem, let's breathe some life into it because some of the lines in it really, uh, they really resonate today. And um, so what we've done, I've got 27 lawyers from Wilkin Chapman and we've gone round our various lockdown locations and we've each said a line and we've interpreted it ourselves. So some comedy elements, um, some serious elements and the result has been really surprising. It's, it's, it's quite a moving poem, so I hope, I hope listeners will, will go to Wilkins Chapman website or Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook and, and just have a look at it. And, of course, directly on YouTube. Now, you're going to read the poem for me. I will do indeed. Right, so the poem is called The Voice of Our County. We live and work under wide Lincolnshire skies, where Lancasters were counted out, counted in, Red arrows to two, the blue with fleur-de-lis, and diamonds for the queen, then drop down to roost, one by one by one, for now, until they leave us and migrate south, and the flocking birds come and go, and seasons turn fields from brown to green to oilseed yellow and flaxseed blue. You tend the land below. And here's to you, from Borough Marsh to Alford, Barton, Horncastle and Louth, Market Raisin, Market Stainton, Market Deepin, from Stump to Spire, coast to western border. You keep our county green. You are the day's first light and the night's last wink and every hour in between. Ours is the county of the first revolution reclaimed from the waters of the fens in the south. The veg box of the nation whose heart pumps just above sea level. Her arteries and veins carved by generations. <clears throat> Here's to the shunters and the shakers of steam, those masters of their field, with foresight and invention, engineers of the future, Rushton and Hornsby, Clayton and Shuttleworth of Lincoln Stampend, marshals of Gainsborough and Eldlin and Kendalls and Greens. Here's to world-class wheat yields, the green revolution, this part, a parable of efficiency, sees you the shoulders and backbone of this great county, serving our growing population, alchemists of the soil, you gave it your best, a fantasia of arable farming. You've changed and sacrificed to feed the nation, from the harrow and the plough through mechanisation to wartime and rationing. Here's to the headscarf generation, and here you are now, resilient, strong, new crops for new tastes, organic cultivation, 
artisan bread specialty, cheeses, ostrich burgers, farmers markets and the Soil Association. You adapt to survive. Through a century and a half, you've weathered storms and grown your own, single-minded, determined and steadfast. And as you face an uncertain future, you'll champion the truths and extinguish the myths that science serves us. You'll take the best that technology offers, but still do things your way. Now, the people of the past rise from Roman springs, dikes, rivers and drains, from the cars, salt banks, from the folds and tucks of the wolds, and your own front parlour. They gather and walk down Ermine, Watlin and Barton Street, up the Fossway to the showground and epic centre, to be at your side, proud of all you've done and of all you plan, proud of your spirit, your flair, your charity, kingship and kindness. Because you are the poetry. You are the county. You are the land. Catherine, that's brilliant. It's a lovely poem and well read, I have Thank to you. say. <laughs> Not being patronising <laughs> or anything, but well read. Now, the poem, as you say, and the video have been put together to raise some money for LRSN. How can listeners actually make a contribution? I, I think, you know, the work that um, Lincolnshire Royal Support Network do has, has never been more needed. And so I'd just be very grateful if, if anyone could text um, 70085 that's 70085 links poem and that will um, provide a £5 donation and it'll be plus usual standard network charges 70085 links poem all one word, yep? Yeah? That's correct, yes Catherine Harris, partner and head of agriculture at Wilkin Chapman Solicitors thanks ever so much for that this morning Thank you Steve Next week, we'll take a look ahead to Cereals Online, which is just a couple of weeks away. I'm Steve Orchard from the Farming Programme team. Stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.